Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to another podcast of Yeah, I'm Working On It. Um, I got Scooter with us today, and we got... Greetings, uh, greetings. Ethan Stewart, of course. Hello. Of course. Of course. Of course. Naturally. Oh, man. It's been a busy week. Busy, busy, busy. Too busy. What are y'all, uh, what are y'all working on? Did I mention the roof last time? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Got a new roof. Been, uh, I guess I've been working on, um... Getting tacks or nail, 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 uh, they're kind of like a, it has yeah. a nail, but then there's a plastic, uh, cap to it. Yeah, the cap, oh, the yeah. cap is to hold down the, um, the shingles. No, the tar paper. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Yeah. That holds down the tar paper, and then the roofing nail, it's just a, I've been working on galvanized roofing nail. Getting those out of my yard instead of, <laughs> out of my tire. Yeah, or my children's feet. Hmm. Um, How often is that happening? Uh, so far, no feet. Good. Um, but three or four. The tires of n- humans. Nail tacks. Yeah. 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 You were still working on that last time. Yeah. It's been a it's been a a project, but it's it's just about done, and so naturally, uh, looks great. Clashes with the paint on the house. So, of course. Uh, one one project begats another. Yeah. Indeed. So I have I have come to the conclusion I have a empty dry erase board on my uh in my office and um i'm going to start writing down projects that i want to get done Mm -hmm. so i can stay a little bit ahead of things yeah we did that um when we bought the house a year ago and we've got about 40 percent of those projects out of the way well i mean it's a big house yeah uh you have plenty of time it's true right I would suggest, um, being that you're in Southeast Texas, that uh, you make a list of things that we're fixing to do. Fixing. Mm, fixing. Fixing to do. Fixing to fix. Fixing to do. Fixing to do. Yeah. yeah, we're fixing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Fixing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my mother's favorite saying. I'll call her, what are you doing? Oh, I'm fixing to do laundry. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're fixing to do the laundry. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't need an explanation. I'm from Texas, so I know what fixing means. I know what fixing is. <laughs> and I continue to work diligently on eradicating my uh, 0.6 acres of all weeds known to man in Southeast Texas. So that, okay, so I have um, set out for that endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very promptly withdrew. Why? Because it's expensive. It's not cheap. What are you using? I haven't used anything. I, oh, if I saw two digits in front of a bag, I'm like, no, hmm. that's too much money. Well, um, I find it a challenge, and I actually um, took my gear over to oh. Ethan's brother's house, and I sprayed his entire lawn for free. Well, since you only worked one day a week. I know. And so I, I checked yesterday, and I would say about three-quarters of the weeds we sprayed are... Yellow. Gone. Yep, yeah. they're giving it up. So if you want me to come spray your lawn, mm. yeah. I can bring, um, I'm using right now, I'm using atrazine. Atrazine. Atrazine is the chemical. That sounds uh, sounds professional enough. Yeah, you mix it with the water, put it in a four-gallon backpack pump sprayer, and off you go. So do you like target? No, target? I just, uh, well, the first application, I would do the, the entire the lawn. The whole thing. Just try to do, and then after two weeks or maybe three weeks, you come back and see if what you missed, and then target those, and you should be able to get. 
Do you have any of the lawn burrweeds that your children complain about yeah. when they get them in their little feet? The little stickers? Yeah. yeah. They're everywhere. That's what we're working on. Everywhere. That's right. Atrazine. Where, where would one get atrazine? Oh, M&D. How much, how much does atrazine cost? Oh, it's probably a 12 or 15 bucks for a Concentrate. Quart, a oh. Concentrate. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. You mix it with a, with a backpack sprayer and walk around and... You know, Harbor Freight had a backpack sprayer on sale for nineteen ninety nine. I, know, I missed it by two days. Ooh, I almost picked one up. You should have, because I paid ten dollars more. Ooh, I paid, but that's still cheaper than the one that I bought last time. Yeah, yeah, backpack sprayers are the way to go. I I have one that it's a what is it a four four gallon? Mm-hmm. Four, four gallon, four gallon carry standard. Yeah, and uh, that thing gets heavy. It does. You start carrying hurry. that around. Yeah. And they have them now that um, have rechargeable batteries, so you don't have to pump you them. You don't have to pump it. Yeah, you just flip the switch on and Because I'm telling you, you. Yeah, you pump that thing a whole bunch of times, mm-hmm. and then you're like, doo. Sore thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know the stickers have gotten bad, though, when even the kids won't go in the backyard without shoes on. Yeah, I've got to carry my son to That's and fro from mm-hmm. the trampoline. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll just get smart, and I'll pull the trampoline up. By where the deck is, yeah, so he has yeah. a little little step. He gets up in there. Right. So, well, I will uh, get my stuff together and try to come spray your lawn this week for you. Front and back. Front and back. Your, <laughs> yeah. lawn, your lawn's not that big. It's now, not. It's not that big. The one outside the fence. Now that's not yours. No, right? no. I just mow that. Okay. Yeah, we don't. We're not. We're not really allowed to take care of that. Nor would I. Okay. Yeah, I just mow it to keep all the critters from. Sure. You know, because we have. I counted five hawk nests in the tree uh-huh. line back there. So I was mm-hmm. like, I told my wife, she was like, well, I'm glad our dogs are kind of fat. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, Th- those things are keeping the, m- the mice from, mm-hmm. from getting around. So and probably some snakes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we found a we found a, we found a little gardener snake under a pot yesterday. It was mm. pretty cool. I tried to get him. He was just too fast. And Jared was like, no, don't get this. I was like, He's not going to hurt me, I promise. <laughs> not this one. Not this one. Not this one. So. Yeah, I, I told Peter, I said, mm-hmm. you know, the, the best treatment for weeds is a, a big, thick, lush yard. I said, so we should bring some weed and feed over. Mm-hmm. I said, but you need to be prepared to mow. And he got this terrified look on his face. Mow? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's his brother's brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that was going to be my next strategy was just get down that um, Scott's rapid grass. Have you seen that? Rapid grass. Yeah, so not. it's like this super seed that you you spread it, and it grows like two times faster than a normal grass. So I'm like, mm-hmm. if I could outgrow the weeds, then maybe I'll win the Well, battle. is it a different spread? Uh, Species of grass? It would be that yeah. you cannot get San Augustine grass yeah. in a seed. It would probably be a yeah. zoysia or a Just, Bermuda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but so. and then you got to convert your whole yard. No, I'm okay with that. You're okay with yeah. that? No, no, because no, if okay. if you look at my yard, it's mostly clover, stickers, crabgrass. It's, nothing's ever been done to that thing. Yeah. So I'm afraid if you go spray, it's just going to be brown the next couple of days. Yeah, that's a potential, and... Uh, Crabgrass, um, there's very little you can do, pre-emergent maybe, but there's very little you can do with crabgrass except just rip it out by Pull the roots. Pull it. Yeah. 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 So we, we, did y'all do anything for Earth Day? 
Mm, yeah. I happen to have a child whose birthday is on Earth Day. So, yeah, we celebrated... Nothing earthly. Nothing earthly. Except for an earthly birthday. We celebrated a birthday. We don't do anything on Earth Day. B- Earth Day? Yeah, so we... Um, Jarrett took Earth Day very seriously this year. You were saying. Yeah, yeah, so... What, what does that mean for uh, a three-year-old? So, four. Four-year-old. Four. Four-year-old. Four. Four and a half? Mm. <laughs> Not quite. Almost driving. Um, so, at his daycare, they gave him a potted flower. That was in like a little styrofoam coffee cup. And um, they were like, hey, you need to take this and go plant this. So Jerry came home and he's like, yeah, we have to plant this. My teacher told me we have to plant this. And I was like, all right, well, I was like, we need to go get some vegetables anyway. So why don't we go get our vegetables, get some manure. What's manure? Um, Hmm. It's cow poop. What? You know, that was disgusting to him. I even threw a whole clot at him, made him smell it, you know, all that good stuff. Um, As any good father would. Yeah, yeah. So we planted probably 25 vegetable plants, um, ranging from hot, hot peppers to cucumber to um, we have cilantro, bell peppers. Hmm. Um, did you know something interesting about cilantro that... Something in your DNA mm-hmm. makes you either love it or hate it. Really? There, there is no in-between with people in cilantro. You either love it or you hate it. Is that scientific? Yeah. I think it is. You can only love or yeah. hate it? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. See, like, that's why we grow it. But like, I, have, I have cilantro growing up in a portion of my backyard because I accidentally pulled a, when I was going to cut it, I actually pulled and cut at the same time, and a whole portion came out and i just threw it on the ground i was like whatever so i was mowing the grass the other day i was like oh oh that sweet smell of street tacos mm. <laughs> and i just happened to look down i was like i ran in the house and i was like kelly with cilantro growing in our yard <laughs> volunteer cilantro <laughs> that's awesome so we planted some cilantro plants i might mow if it smelled like tacos while it, i was doing oh it. man but let me tell you, it's not, it's not as great because, you know, I'm sure you mow early in the morning. No, I usually mow in the evening. In the evening. Yeah. So I, I'm, a, I'm an early morning mower. I like to get up, be that annoying neighbor that, you know, right there at like 8 o'clock in the morning when everybody else is trying to sleep in. And um, because I'm, I just feel more productive in the morning. I want to sit in my recliner and read. I am a twice a week mower right now. Are you? Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's about to get there. It's about to get there for us, which I'm okay with. Yeah. I, I love mowing my yard. I enjoy mowing. I mean, you feel so accomplished after you're done. You just when I put that mower up, I walk out and I just kind of observe my kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Indeed. But yeah, we um. So we did that, and uh, so what did you, how did you plant these things that you purchased at the uh, so, two years ago, I built a raised garden. A raised garden. A raised bed, um, but huh. more so on the sides, um, we built some structure for five-gallon bucket uh, potters. So, mm-hmm. um, instead of building two large beds, um, I go down to a local deli, and they get give me their pickle buckets for pickle free. Pickle buckets, yeah. Um, and I just drill a hole in the side of the bucket mm-hmm. for water to escape and we plant 
one plant in each one, so it has plenty of depth and width and girth. I mean, those things get big. They get big. Right. So. Okay. Now, so, what kind of manure did you get? Uh, just cow manure and, and, and compost combination. Hmm. Okay, because the black cow is highly recommended. That's that's what I use. Black yeah. cow manure. Black cow. Yeah. Hmm. Four ninety four a bag. Highly recommended. It's hmm. good stuff. Stinks. I mean, you open it up, you're like, farm. Farm. <laughs> farm living this I, see, see, I almost thought about just calling David and say, hey, I need to come shovel some cow poop for yeah. free. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. You could, um, but you've done well by buying the bags because I think they're uh, sterilized, so yeah. you don't get so many weeds, yeah. Yeah. which and you might get in that fresh from the farm. Now, I will tell you, when I, was, when I was churning up the dirt in the raised bed, you know how many worm castings I found? Uh, yeah. mm, good for you. That's I was good. like, wow, all by itself. I didn't put any in there. Like, it was, it was amazing. I was like, man, this stuff, and I didn't even plant a bed last year. I was like, maybe this is the trick. You just let you know, make make a make it, a year off. It's biblical, huh? Give it a a year's rest. It was. I'm it sure was, we could tie that into it something. Was wonderful. Yeah, worm castings. I, I I almost pulled a whole bunch of wor- live worms that I found, night crawlers, mm-hmm. and use those for fishing bait. But I was like, you could. But I want you to recycle back all your nutrients into my soil. Yes. Put the leftover fish in there. Well, I actually use fish fertilizer. It's called Alaskan fish fertilizer. Does it grow Alaskan fish? No. But it does grow some bodacious plants. Mm. So. Uh, Leviticus 25. It's every seventh year. So not nearly every other year. So I'm just going to go with every other year. There you go. That would be very holy if you could do every other year. Mm. Yeah, just the way that exceed expectations. The way that the food prices are these day and age, you know, I can't go seven years without growing jalapenos. <laughs> you could just buy jalapenos. With the way food prices are right now, I and I want to grow. It's something about it is growing. more fun. It's something about growing your own. You know? Indeed, I haven't tried that kind of gardening yet. Yeah, we had a raised. Um, I, I guess it was like a. Mother's Day or something gift. I built a raised bed for Chris at the other house, and uh, we had we had uh, some produce from it. A lot of failed produce, but some some successful produce. I almost I almost attempted asparagus. Lots of squirrels. Year. We had a lot of trouble with squirrels and birds. Really? Yeah. See, I didn't do tomatoes this year because last year I had a full blown assault with giant green horned caterpillars. Mm. Walked out there one morning, my tomato plants were gone. Yeah. And I plucked probably 20 caterpillars off of those plants, and I killed every one of them. And mm-hmm. I was like, man. And the next day, I went out there, they were back, finishing the Should rest. have put up a sign. I tried. Caterpillars, ye bees warned. <laughs> I, I left the dead ones around, hoping, uh, yeah. you know, kind of like coyotes. <laughs> if you don't want coyotes to come around your property, you, you tie it up to the fence. Have you ever seen that? Uh-uh. Yeah, so you kill one. And you leave it. And you you. Put them up on your fence, and coyotes won't come around your property. Hmm. Because hmm. they're like, oh. They like smell it? They're like, oh, this guy means That's business. my cousin up there. Yeah, so they, they will actually go somewhere else. Hmm. Um, but the caterpillars are not, I guess they're not as smart as coyotes. So. Yeah. You know, the, the government has proven that if you put up a sign, yeah. 
that says like uh, deer crossing. No handguns in this vicinity. Uh, vicinity yeah. That uh, people of the criminal persuasion will actually read that and obey it. Oh, really? Yes. So mm. if you'll do that with your greenhorn caterpillars, mm-hmm. I'm sure the same principle will work. Uh, they should just put up signs like "Don't s- steal things," and then maybe they would obey that. Hmm. Don't rob these people. So you're saying I I don't need to conceal carry anymore? No, you just need <laughs> to put a sign up. Just be nice. Be nice to me. That's all you need. Do not rob me. Don't try to take my hard-earned yeah. stuff. Definitely not concealed carried here. Just wow. you should put. Just out. be nice. Just put a sign up. Thou, you know, don't kill anybody. I've been going about this the wrong way. You have been. Thou shalt not kill. That has a good ring to it. Hmm. Hmm. It's like I've heard that somewhere. But then again, I, I, I've been under the assumption that criminals don't know how to read. I think you need to be careful about demeaning criminals. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that is. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you know what they say about assuming. You know, that could be my fault. I'll work on that. Please. I'm working, I'm working on that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm not yeah. gonna lie to any of any any one of y'all in this room or anybody listening to this episode. I'm probably still gonna carry my gun. <laughs> all right, good idea. Suit yourself. <laughs> I'm putting it, up signs. It is Texas, after all. I mean, it's almost like a rite of passage when you turn. What is it? Twenty one. Is it when you turn twenty one you can go get it? Twenty five. I don't think you have to have one anymore. Yeah. Thank well. You you don't. It's it's constitutionally accepted. However, 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 if you go to a different state, mm. it doesn't count. Why would you go to a different state? Well, I mean, you're right here next to Louisiana, sir. Yeah. If if Louisiana doesn't reciprocate our law, which they do, but um, you know they don't con- re- reciprocate Texas concealed carry law, so that's the benefit of having a LTC license. Is now instead of just abiding by my one state, I have thirty-eight other states that reciprocate the same law. Hmm. Yeah, wonderful, hmm. wonderful knowledge. The more have. you know, the more you know, the more you can get away with. <coughs> <laughs> so anyway, so uh, today we're in First Thessalonians four fifteen. Through five four, right? That's what we were through five four, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think we were. actually were further along. Yeah, I think school. we ventured a bit. Did we? Did we go past okay. that? Uh, I, this is a this is a hot topic, mm-hmm. um, especially since the uh, the UK, Ukraine and Russia thing. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week, or two weeks ago. We didn't do anything for Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all hinges around eschatology. Eschatology. What's that? That is the uh, study of the end times. The doctrine of last things. Yeah. And um, let me tell you, it was, it was interesting to hear a lot of perspective about it today in, in Sunday school. I, uh, I like to hear a lot about what people think about the end times. It's one of those things, like you said, Scooter, that everybody's so interested in, in learning and revisiting and, and talking about, but kind of what's the purpose of doing that? 
right? I mean, we do it to be encouraged, but some people do it. Um, I don't know because they have this desire to make a map, make a calendar. But Paul specifically says, "Do it to encourage one another." So the, when you when you said that this morning, I immediately went to what I talked to you, Ethan, about TikTok profits. Okay. Uh, <laughs> especially, oh yeah. So especially is that one of the minor <coughs> profits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially around. Um, you know, especially when uh, the struggle between Russia and Ukraine first came about. Um, Gog and Magog. I mean, it was coming from all corners of TikTok mm-hmm. and Facebook. And, you know, if MySpace was a thing, it'd probably be on MySpace too. Um, but, you know, I, I remember watching this and I turned to my wife and I said, Hey, why is it that every person who is talking has the largest amount of worry in their voice. I, to me, it's almost fear-mongering, right? Like, we are so scared of the end times. And I'm like, if in my mind, if your spirit is one with God, and you're living for Him day by day, what are you worried about? Like, this is the ultimate goal. Yeah. I don't think that a lot of people have that level of confidence, though, and and what's after it. Because, I mean, even these, the Thessalonians, um, you know, they were all pumped up. They were, they their faith was strong. They were looking at suffering in the right way, right? They're being um, encouraged by Paul here. But uh, then when they start seeing their brothers and sisters in Christ dying, then they start they start panicking like, wait, I thought, you know, I thought this was a, a new life, a new birth, a new um, you know, gift you know, gift of God is eternal life. Why are these people dying? What's happening to them? And so in, in chapter four, Paul had encouraged them that, you know, it's a he'd kind of likened it to sleep as a as a temporary state, that this isn't something that's happening to them permanently. And then next that, you know, the dead in Christ will rise first. So actually when Christ does return, if only by moments, they get to experience resurrection first um, before those that are alive at the time, right? And then I think what Uncle Scooter was uh, referencing, chapter 4, verse 18, um, Paul gave them those details and said, these are words that you should be using to encourage each other whereas i feel like most of the eschatological discussions end up uh you know in disagreement or division um, because we we like to figure it out or think we've figured it out with our little math equations or whatever and then that we figured it out but someone else didn't and not using it to encourage each other what we have to look forward to and i'm not a tiktok um (laughs) TikToker? I, I see some TikTok things on my other social media platforms, but um, I would guess that many of the TikTokers, instead of TikTok, <laughs> TikTokers, <laughs> instead of encouraging one another, are trying to scare Tip-topper. scare one another. Yeah, scare one another, um, and uh, that's not with the message of the um, um, dying in Christ and uh, Christ being raised again and the promise that we'll be raised again. None of that was ever designed to scare anybody. 
that that's good news and it's designed to encourage people not um, to build a worry or scare into their lives. I mean, I, I could be way off base and y'all tell me, but the ultimate goal for a Christian is to live eternally with God and Jesus. Paul would think so. Yeah, I think so. Restoration of Eden. So why would we be scared of Christ coming back? I feel like it's not fear of Christ coming back, but when you read or, you know, you read maybe a a Left Behind series or, you know, some other documentary on Revelation and you see a third of the earth, you know, on fire, a third of the fresh water, mountains falling, you know, apocalyptic type events, people might be scared that they would experience those kind of things or the persecution that comes um, for believers, you know, if we're still here, then, you know, what kind of persecution are we going to have to go through? What are our kids going to have to go through? Uh, I think that's the fear. I think that it would be pretty common that, you know, it's it's only in hope and uh, that that we expect Christ's return. I don't think there's anything negative about that. But what come what might come with it. So with that, I say... Or before it. You know, we're told by Christ himself that we're going to suffer in his name, even even before the end times. I mean, now granted, you know, the one thing that I will say when I read the Left Behind series, it, it is a, you know, it's a, it's a fictional book series. Yeah. Okay, so you got to take it what it is. None of this, you know, none of this in the, in the book had ever happened. Um, but it's a really good um, storyline to follow. Uh, to help recognize some signs, uh, you know, kind of putting in a modern day uh, story that, you know, shows you this chronological order of things to come. Um, so that's kind of where I took that from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I ever really got scared reading this book or worried. Um, now, there was a certain level of worry because I read this book before I was a believer. So. I think my perception of it is a little different. You know, I'm like, holy cow. Like, there's going to be plagues. There's going to be, you know, ravenous behavior. There's going to be this mark of the beast. There's going to be an antichrist ruling the world. There's going to be all this false hope and promises and persecution and all these weird things are going to happen. And, you know, when I was reading this, I was like, man... I don't want to miss the boat, you know, like I, if these things are going to happen, which I've always, I've always believed in God. So that was never the problem. The problem was I was not following Jesus in my heart. Right. So when I was reading these story, when I was reading this story holistically, I was like, man, I need to get right with the Lord. And that's where the worry came in was, are you living for Christ or are you not living for Christ? Yeah, and I would remind you, um, not that I can think you're off base or the books are off base, but the books are one man's uh, view or interpretation of what does the end times look like. Mm -hmm. There are lots of other biblical scholars who would read um, uh, the Left Behind series and uh, they would chuckle because they, they, they would not believe in that particular way the thing unfolds or um, 
comes to a conclusion. So um, even then, uh, it's an interpretation, it's a, an opinion. Um, others would not think that that's necessarily how it unfolds. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, you have to take the context of what it is. It's, it's a story. Mm-hmm. It's a story. But if there's any power in that story, it's to say bad things are going to come. <laughs> yeah. um, are you ready? Are you ready to face these potential Indeed. things? Yeah, and uh, on your point for the for the sufferings, I mean, we talked about that, and I don't know if it was Thessalonians two, First Thessalonians two or three, but yeah, that uh, Paul was concerned about the Thessalonians um, not responding to um, guaranteed persecution in the right way, but was encouraged by the fact that they were. So yeah, number one, as believers, we expect um, to see persecution if you're living, if you're if you're showing fruit and you're living um, in the way. Um, exemplified by Christ, you can expect persecution and hardship. That's a that's a guarantee. You know, so you know, and one thing that I I wanted to point out during our Sunday school conversation was, you know, you can spend a lifetime trying to identify and map out the end times, but it is plainly written that no man, yep. not even the Son of God, knows the time or the mm-hmm. day. Yep. Only the Father. Yep. Right. So. You know, kind of a note, a little little subscript that I wrote down is I was saying, you know, through the signs of the end time, through the study that we went through this morning was, as Paul's basically saying, you know, worry about it, don't really worry about it. Basically, be prepared, know the signs, but encourage one another yep. to strengthen your relationship through Jesus. Yeah, um- Chapter 5, verse 11, he restates the end of chapter 4, saying, Therefore, with this being said, encourage one another and build each other up. That, yeah, it's, it's a hope to look forward to. It's not a... But, yeah, you, you, n- we're guaranteed not to be able to figure it out. So don't look at it as a puzzle that you can solve. And don't spend too much time trying to solve it. Because uh, you're going to miss out on, on your calling right now, yeah. which is to spread the gospel yeah and you know i, I laugh because i'm like well you know the mayans missed their <laughs> their prediction which was a big deal i mean they made movies about this 2012 2012 you know of, of the the mayan calendar stops i'm like you know i asked the question when i was learning that in school i was like you don't think this guy just got bored <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just like that's like, long enough he's like i you know i've covered like four thousand years of time mm-hmm. i think i'm good yeah <laughs> like, they'll take it to a nerdy level you build like an excel spreadsheet and you like just drag your formula down and you're like yep two thousand cells that's good i think i'm it'll, all right it'll work forever that, that's quite a bit of scrolling a couple years later <laughs> but table gets full you know i'm like doesn't work anymore so the new one i i i i, I listened to software's outdated yeah <laughs> i like to listen to joe rogan Okay. Um, uh, just for the conversation piece, not really, there's nothing theological going on there, but he talks to some pretty interesting people, which I like the dialogue. Um, but there was one that they were talking about, uh, Sir Isaac Newton figured out that the end of the world is going to happen in 2060 Uh-oh. Uh, based on math, math, mathematical equations. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like we're going to unwind or something. I'm like, really? Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and call bull. <laughs> that uh, Jesus and God put all of their eggs in Sir Isaac Newton's basket. He figured it out? I don't think so. 
But apparently he did it through mathematical equations through the Bible before he died. I was like, you don't think that this maybe was like dementia or, you know, because a lot of mathematicians go crazy with all these numbers. Right. You know, look at John Nash, you know, from the, have you ever seen John, you know, A Beautiful Mind? Nope. The Pr- Princeton professor. I did see that. Who uh, actually had schizophrenia. Um, his mind just worked on a whole different level, saw personalities, thought he was working for uh, the CIA and the NSA and all that, wow. but really it was just hallucin, uh, hallucin, uh, hallucinations. Yeah. Wow. Uh, come to find out he had schizophrenia. Brilliant mind, brilliant-minded person. Um, but, you know, even my neighbor across the street taught high school calculus. He was a, he was a mathematician crazy man. Hmm. So are you saying we should stay away from math? Is that what you're saying? I, th- I think so. Is Basic math the conclusion is, of the ba- story? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not here to say that uh, math is irrelevant because I do use math quite a bit in my job. Um, but I have been out of high school for almost, almost 20 years now, and I have yet to use the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> hmm. Not a lot of triangles and safety. Touché. Mm, I feel like no. no. I would um, tell you that uh, over the years it's been interesting, kind of in the theological world, that uh, there have been those who say, well, yes, I read that. It's very clear that the Scripture says you cannot know the day nor the hour. But? But that doesn't mean you can't know the year. Mm. <laughs> and then they spend a lifetime, and I, I, I can't remember exactly the title of the book, but it uh, it was something like, 98 reasons Jesus is returning in 1998. And then, of course, they had to come The out. revised edition. Yeah, the revised edition. <laughs> 2,000 reasons we missed it. They didn't come in 1998. Oh, they, uh, were just so, they were setting up for a bestseller afterwards. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. yeah. I think the uh, principle of you cannot know it extends beyond you cannot know the day and the hour. It, it extends to the principle that you can't know. Yeah. So... Well, I, I liked what we said about cool. about the about about the uh, scripture here about the thief. The thief, right. yes, the thief. And I, what I really loved was, you know, again, I'm I'm kind of a tactical guy. I, I'm all into home protection, right? Um, I mean, just a few minutes ago, I was talking about carrying a gun on me wherever I go. Um, but how do you prepare for a thief in the night? You keep a gun by the bed. But but even then, your chances of defending your family are slim to none. Yeah, you can't stay awake all night. Yeah, can't stay awake. But let's say the scripture said, "Hey, God is going to come March fifteenth right. of thirty thirty two." Yeah. <laughs> then yeah, I mean that's that's what I was gonna go. For is when we we talked about how just our human nature, if we had, if we knew that he wasn't coming till thirty thirty two, we're like, oh, well, that's not in our lifetime, so live it up. What do I have to worry about? A thief's not coming in my lifetime. I'll prepare my yeah. soul when the doctor tells me I have cancer, right? Or I have six months to live. Then mm-hmm. I'll I'll prepare my soul. Well, I right. would want to know if it's coming on March fifteenth. Does that mean like? Midnight on the fourteenth is coming, yeah. or is it like sometime in mid afternoon? Well, we don't or? we don't know the we don't know the the, the, the hour, hour time of the hour. Yeah, well, I think the, the I think it hour. illustrates the principle that we would want to know exactly when he was coming, so we could be as prepared as possible 
Uh, but maybe up until that point, right. we might not be as prepared because we weren't as worried. Right. Yeah. And yeah, we I, should I, be living as if it's at any moment. Well, and that, that's what I was talking about in Sunday school. I was like, what happens if you get hit by a car tomorrow? Your, your end time is then. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, that, there's a possibility that no one in this room is going to sit here and witness the end times. But does that mean that we don't sit here and prepare our soul? Right. No, I think it's, I would say, the focus for us would be on others' souls. That there's those out there that we're commanded to go out and share with. Um, I mean, Jesus is watching out for them. Jesus' commandment was not, hey, follow me two weeks before you're about to die. He just says, follow me. Indeed. So when, when I'm reading that in the scripture, especially through the gospel of what we're going through right now in our, in our men's group, is what does it mean to follow Christ? To me, it's just like Paul is saying to the Thessalonian church here, is waking, sleeping, waking, sleeping... That encompasses every hour of the day. You are preparing yourself. You are walking close. You are following Christ. Imitating. I mean, it never stops. I mean, you know, for me, my daily schedule is wake up. I have a cup of coffee. I work out. I do my Bible study. Wake up my son. Go to work. Come home. Put the kids to bed. And then I have a moment of prayer before I go to bed. And then in between, I'm, I'm usually listening to contemporary worship music at, at, at work. Um, or my favorite secondary podcast, Exploring My Strange Bible. Nice. That thing is awesome. Yeah. Hmm. If you're listening to this, I strongly recommend uh, listening to that because it will just... It will... I mean... Exploring My Strange Bible. It's awesome. It is awesome. It's awesome. Hmm. So... Uh, and it, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the Bible project. Yeah, it was um, the precursor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very good, very good content. I would, I would highly recommend everybody listen to that. Um, but we should really be preparing ourselves every moment of every day. Um, now, that's not to say that we're going to eliminate sin from our life. We're sinful creatures. It's going to happen. Um, but, again, my favorite quote, the closer you're walking with Christ, the more that your sin is being highlighted, um, and the more repent, you know, repentance you're seeking for that sin. So, point well made. Yeah. Point well made. I feel like we should like drop a cha-ching. <laughs> one, in, one in the bank. Point well made. <laughs> cha-ching. <laughs> yeah. But it, it. I mean, eschatology is one of those things that it's just it it. I think it fathoms everybody's mind. Well, it it makes for a good um, good story. You know, everyone likes a apocalyptic movie or like a post apocalyptic environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, we're drawn to that. It's for just some interesting reason. because I think it breaks that. Honestly, it's just the it's just the imagination going from a mundane life to something that we've never experienced before. Like the full collapse of what we know is normal, right? 
Well, and, there, and some people, the, um, I think the response is and, and almost a prideful thing in that, um, oh, I, I know what the beast is. And, uh, I it's know the COVID vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would have said that three years ago. No. That's right. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and I know what the mask is. You know, that's a sword or something. I mean, you know, there's, some, there's this pride in people identifying what they think are mysteries in, in the scripture, and uh, and uh, and they come away thinking they've got some sort of insight into the thing, and um, I don't think there's any insight to be had. My favorite that. thing about that the mark of the beast. You have yeah. a favorite thing. My favorite, about. my favorite thing about that, and it goes hand in hand with the TikTok prophets who sit here and say, "Oh, you, if you got the COVID vaccine, mm-hmm. you have the mark of the beast." Oh no. I'm like, uh oh. Doesn't there? I mean, I, I'm, and, I'm in and trouble. <clears throat> Jesus was, uh, he did not, during his ministry, he did not try to exceed the educational boundaries of those who he was preaching to, right? So I am sitting here going, I'm not that smart of a man, okay? I mean, I graduated college, who doesn't do that hardly anymore? Uh, nothing, and it was art. Like all I did was paint and draw. So there was no, and there, you, and you can't paint and draw bad because you're like, no, this is it's, my it's interpretation. Subjective. It's subjective. So there was really no, there's really no failing um, unless you just didn't do your your assignments. But my thing is, doesn't there have to be an identified beast before there can be a mark of the beast? Mm-hmm. Depends on if you're taking it, how literal you're taking it. I'm just saying, and we've talked about this. Or if there's a single beast. I'm just, you, you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. is how do we, how do Christians just accidentally stumble upon right. getting a mark of the beast? Right. I don't, don't think so. Because, <laughs> so. yeah, I wanted to go on vacation, so I got the vaccine, but I'm very confident no mark of the beast. No, I'm, I'm sitting here going, look, I got the vaccine, you know, for, for the betterment of my neighbor, whatever, however you want to look about it. I mean, there's some people in here who are going to totally disagree with that. The worst, the endangerment of your neighbor made yeah. you a super spreader. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Just, I mean, because you can still carry it. You yeah. just, you won't get sick, yeah. right? Um, but I'm sitting here going, okay, so I, I'll, I'll go get the vaccine. So I did the two-stage uh, Pfizer vaccine. Felt great. <laughs> Ended up still getting COVID. <laughs> Two years later. Um, but my thing was, um, I'm, not, I'm not swiping my arm at HEB to buy my groceries. Yet. Yeah, not yet. You might be swiping your cell phone. <laughs> I, I don't do that. The Apple Pay. I don't do that. Well, I do, do use Apple Pay online. Yeah. Swipe it on your smartwatch. I don't have that kind of smartwatch. I have mm. a $50 smartwatch off Amazon. Yeah. yeah, we talked about it on one of the other podcasts, and I kind of like the picture of it being more like a like an anti-Shema, like an anti-dedication um, to following that the the Lord your God is one. There's no God but Him. Love you with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, you know, bind it on your wrist, put it on your forehead kind of deal. Yeah. So it's more of a... It's an identifier. It's an identifier. Is this is how I live my life, uh, either in 
um, which I, pursuit I, of Yahweh or against. I think it's funny that that's kind of the my interpretation also of the mark of the beast is you know it, there's clearly going to be some sort of identifier that you're you're going to have right uh, to buy sell um, really just do any sort of conducting of normal normal life but it like you said Ethan it's an identifier to set you apart from others shouldn't we as Christians have the same thing now yeah that's that's what I'm saying like we uh, have we we're supposed to be the light. Yeah, we're supposed to be set apart from others, just just based on our fruit, mm-hmm. right? We're, yeah, we're set apart as as followers of Christ, whereas someone with the mark of the beast would be set apart in opposition. So I think it's kind of interesting that that is part of that eschatology study, right? Is the mark of the beast is that there's an identifier to set these followers of the beast. I'm like, Satan. Did you take one out of the playbook? <laughs> like, it just kind of it. It just kind of proves to me that Satan's well versed in the Scripture. He knows everything about what's going on in the world, in the spiritual world, and he can use anything like that to turn you against Christ. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <clears throat> I'm thinking. Um, I may have inadvertently. Uh, Gotten the mark of the beast. Uh oh. You got a. You did got you get a barcode. You got a. I te- did. You, I, got, you got a Tesla, didn't you? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I got one of those things from the Blue Wave car wash. Oh. oh. The day I pulled in there and the arm just went up by knew itself. And knew who you were. They knew just pulling in there, and I went straight through the car wash. Yeah. And wow. it gave me the car wash I always select. Mm. And I didn't do anything. You've been identified. I've been identified. As a follower of the Blue Wave. So we need to find out who the owner of the Blue Wave car wash is because... He could be the beast. He could be the beast. Mm. Could, could be the beast. We, need to, we need to interrogate him. Must be a good car wash, though, if you're subscribing to it. It only costs a penny. Hmm. A For penny, this month. A penny to subscribe? A penny to subscribe this month. What's next month's charge? Mm. A couple more it's pennies. It's $24.95. That's not bad. That's unlimited car washes, though, right? Unlimited car washes. You yeah. can go every day if you wanted. If you get more than two-ish, it's a pretty good deal. The yeah. the one down the street from our house is nineteen ninety five. I almost got it. I a month? Like, a month. Yeah. Uh, for, is that unli- for unlimited by car washes. By Walmart on 365? No, it's uh, it's down towards uh, HEB. Mm, okay. Yeah. Cool. Bogies. Bogies car wash. Hmm. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. Jarrett hates it. He hates car washes. He's so scared of them. Like, what is there to be scared of in a car wash? So it's you loud. Feel, you feel certain I'm, I've not been marked by the beast? I think you're okay. You okay. should be safe. Thank I you. think you're okay. Again, we, like we just said, I don't, I don't think a Christian man is just going to stumble into it. Okay. Yeah. I'm relieved to know that. I think, I, I think you're, you're fully going to renounce uh, God in the entirety to take the mark of a beast. What about in the... Um... Now, but did you read the fine print of the contract? No, but I fully expect to renounce Blue Wave Car Wash at the end of May. Oh. <laughs> after once it's after, more than a after penny? After the penny? Oh, so you're crawfishing. Ah, you're the one. Crawfish. So maybe you're doing God's yeah. work through canceling. <laughs> like, I'll give you a penny, nothing more. Is it... Um... Is it Left Behind or the uh, the Omega Code? Or what's the one where they have, you can like get a fake tattoo? Like it's a tattoo, right? And then 
some people getting like fake tattoos so that they can like go to work. Uh, that doesn't sound familiar. It's not the left behind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's the Omega Code. It's no. another one of those nineties. I never read times. the Omega Code. I think it's a movie. I don't know if it's a book. Is it a movie? I'm at a loss. I'm gonna Google it. It was um. I should watch it. Left Behind series was was interesting about how they calculated the mark of the beast, because um, Christians literally like went into hiding when that happened, um, had their own kind of like black market set up, um, just taking care of themselves and and still but still trying to recruit people to come into, um, you know, knowing Christ, and they had their own mark. That only was visible by Christians. Oh. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. So let me let me ask y'all this, just because it came up to me, it came in my mind when we were reading through uh Thessalon Thessalonians <laughs> today. Do y'all believe in the rapture? Oh my. Gonna call us out on re- record forever. <laughs> We can always revisit it. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts is you can strike it from the record if your mind ever changes in a later episode. Hmm. And say, don't go listen to Minute, blah, 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 on episode blah, 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 blah. That's right. Hmm. And then everybody will go listen to that. <laughs> so there's going to be actually um, two answers to that question. One, do you believe in the rapture? And then you're going to have to answer, do you believe in the pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib rapture yeah. of the church? Ooh. So you would have to choose one of those. Um, I tend uh, to lean toward the theology that ascribes to a rapture of the church. Um, it seems to me, even in this letter where Paul talks about uh, a calling up, I know the scripture doesn't actually use the word rapture. You mm-hmm. never find that in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do find a calling up and a going up and a raising up, or however you want to call it. And um, I'm, I'm much more comfortable theologically with a um, pre-tribulation rapture of the church. What does Clint Stewart's son think? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm at a, a point in my life where I have a very defined eschatology that I hold, says it's, I hold to, and then I learn and I'm willing to let it go. So I have this very Clint Stewart-esque uh, mentality of uh, keep your theology tight and your conversations open. So I'm willing to look into whatever, but holding something very strongly until until otherwise convinced i guess so um but i've i've recently come to to look at at least this thessalonians version of rapture as it's a it it appears from the hebrew at least so i trust those who can read hebrew to be a a welcoming of christ back that it's a a greeting to uh, welcome him back uh, whereas traditionally, and where I would, if you you know made me tell the whole story um, back to back to back, I would say traditionally it's a a escapee um, type of of rapture where it's like he's getting us out of here. Where I just as a general theology, I'm 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 starting to feel like that's a a poor way to look at it. That we're not trying to get out of here. We're trying to to bring redemption and 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 restore um, that which God called good. But um, uh, yeah, traditionally, and I guess if you made me commit to it, I don't I don't have an alternate yet to uh, yeah a pre-trib 
um, rapture of the, of the saints. Yeah. So my, my my thought is a little bit maybe more simple. But I'm working on it. More simple. Um, when it comes to the miraculousness of God, He can do anything. Anything. So why can't he leave a pile of clothes in this seat? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's not, like, possible or it's any crazier than any, any anything else. It's just that, it, to me, it just kind of develops a mentality of, I'm just waiting to get out of here. And I think that goes against the um, the, the commission to, to spread with as many people as I possibly can. So you're saying more of, like, a prisoner-victim... Yeah, uh, where it's mentality. not just like, I have my ticket of salvation, I'm just waiting for the bus, like you said earlier, waiting for the, the train. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, hey, we've, we've, all, we've got any, we, we have n- n- an unknown amount of time before, before something happens, before mm-hmm. the, the end does come, and eternity, future is secured. And so until that happens, we, we've got to tell people about um about Christ. Now, I did, going back to our conversation of COVID, <laughs> I did hear a very interesting theory, and I was like, man, this is this is kind of interesting, because COVID was just killing a lot of people, um, unfortunately. Um, and somebody said, what do, you th- what, do you, what do you think if COVID was the rapture of the church? <laughs> and I was like, well, while that's an interesting... Um, uh, thought I'm still here I don't <laughs> I don't think that that's the case and he said well why I said because my uh, wife's grandmother and father grandfather is still <laughs> here and they're not sick <laughs> probably the two most godly people that I know um, you know I, it was so funny because back when um, uh, Nana uh, had a knee surgery it was probably about five years ago uh, she asked me to come in and it was on a Sunday after church, and she asked me to come in and give a give her a, a mini church session of what we talked about. And I was like, "Why do you want me to come do that?" Like, Nana, I just came, I just came to Christ like a year ago. She's like, "Well, practice on me. You know, tell me what you learn." And we went, and I had one of the best conversations with her. Sure. Um, just a very godly woman who 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 knows a lot about Christ's teachings and, and keeps it, you know, in her heart all day long. Um, let, let me throw something in on what uh, Ethan was saying a while ago. Uh, part of the theology of eschatology, a couple of big words that we're talking about, um, the traditional premillennial, I think, and I could be corrected on this and probably will be, uh, has Jesus coming on the clouds. Mm-hmm. And then many people feel like um, uh, raising the dead and um, then taking the rest of the believers with them and leaving the world uh, without a Christian witness. Although there does seem to be an indication during the tribulation period of seven years that the gospel is being proclaimed somehow. Mm -hmm. And that there are people that are actually coming to faith in Christ during the tribulation period of seven years and then... And so I think I hear that's what I hear um, Ethan saying is concerned about a pre-tribulation rapture that uh, would remove all of the witnesses mm. uh, for the goodness of Christ during the tribulation, uh, simply to keep them from having to uh, 
uh, go through any discomfort associated with the tribulation. What most of the time the theology is Christ comes on the clouds, raises the dead, uh, raptures the church, uh, and then leaves for seven years and leaves the devil to have his way uh, during the time of tribulation. At the end of the tri- tribulation, then there's the second coming of Christ. Right. And that's when the second coming, when he comes back to M- earth. Millennial kingdom. And establishes a 1,000-year millennial reign mm-hmm. um, over which um, the believers uh, <laughs> reign with him for that 1,000 years. And, um, and then at the end of the 1,000 years, uh, the final judgment and all that kind of stuff. So that what Ethan's talking about is it reflects a part of that uh, theology of eschatology. And that's called a premillennial view. Uh, there's also a post-millennial view, which uh, things get better and better and better. And Jesus' second coming is at the end of the thousand-year reign. Uh, that's a post-millennial view, that Jesus comes back after the thousand-year reign. And then there is a non-millennial which re- view. Which requires the thousand-year reign to not be a thousand years. Yeah, and then there's the amillennial view, which mm. is that there is no thousand years. It's all mm. symbolic of something or other. Oh, yeah. And then there's Wayne's view, which is pro-millennial. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm just all for it. Yeah. Okay. Or Lazy. there are a couple of people that have the pan-millennial view, which is, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm confident it's all going to pan out in the end. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can pick a po, priest, uh, po, uh, yeah, um, pro, pre, post, ah, pan, pick yours, and uh, as Ethan said, stick with it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I'm just sitting here going, you know, <clears throat> what, w- wouldn't it be such a shock factor if... If you were to be called up, right, your clothes left behind, your car empty, <laughs> a whole bunch of devastation going on, nobody knows what's going on, and then they all turn to the Bible and go, holy cow. Yeah. Holy cow. And I I personally think that you can have a, you know, a lot of people coming to Christ during that point because they're like, oh, this is real. Yeah. And uh, just my... Mm, the closer we feel like we're getting to an answer, I think in humility we look to um, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had the scriptures and the prophets memorized. And, you know, looking back, we're like, oh, of course, these all of these things pointed to Jesus of Nazareth specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knew the scriptures better than they, and they totally missed it. Yeah. So, you know, f- thousands of years of of super dedication study of the old testament prophets and they weren't even close yeah and so i don't i think we're it's funny you i think say we're that. less than they yeah it's funny you say that because i it, through our chronological study of the gospels every time i i'm reading you know like the woes of, of the of the pharisees and the scribes that i read you know uh this past week i was like you know more than these average people do. You have studied this, and you have the Messiah sitting right in front of you. Yeah. And like you said, totally missed the mark. Well, because they had certain things that they thought they had figured out, this is how it will happen. Scripture says these words, so it's going to happen mm-hmm. this way. So if it doesn't happen this way, we're still waiting. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, and that's what we're talking about here, too. Yeah, and even, you know, John the Baptist, you know, when he sent his two, when he sent his two followers, he was like, "Hey, I thought you were going to overthrow the Roman 
yeah. you know, the Roman rule. Are you sure you're the Christ? Are you, you know, and, and it wasn't out of defiance. It mm. was just more curiosity, yeah. right? Like, I thought this was supposed to be one of the yeah. signs. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm like, and, and, and um, I think it was Isaiah that was even prophesied that John would be the messenger before the Christ, right? Um, that, or is it, yeah, I think it's Isaiah, right? About him being Elijah, preparing yeah, the way yeah. of the Lord. Um, but you know, it, again, it's just I think looking into something, having um, your own conclusion drawn, and just not understanding the way that God's mind works. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we we fool ourselves to think we can figure it out. And that we have a better knowledge of the scriptures than than maybe the Pharisees did. So yeah. I feel like we'd be the same, yeah. where they had Jesus among them and and missed it. And yeah. I, f- I feel like we could we could do the same. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know the the one thing that I'm you know kind of been convicted of lately is reading through all these uh, wonderful things that Jesus did through his ministry was all through the Old Testament scriptures. And we have this beautiful second part of the Bible called the New Testament now. So we have more information than they did at that time. And yet we're still probably going to get it wrong. Isaiah 40, I think. Get some wrong anyway. Yeah, some wrong. Hopefully we don't get it all wrong. So, all right, guys. Chew on that for a little bit. Um, work on it. Yeah, we work we on it. we all need to work on that. Um, but you know, in the words of Paul, uh, don't worry about it. Just be prepared. Um, encourage one another. Encourage build, one another. Build each other up. Build each other up. So until next week, we will talk at y'all later. Ta ta.